morning, I'm going to read the scripture for us this morning, and it comes from Numbers 21, verses 4 through 9. From Mount Hor, they set out by the way to the Red Sea to go around the lake of Edom, and the people became impatient on the way, and the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people so that many people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he may take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people, and the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole, and if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. So I just want to take a quick moment to introduce Jason, who's going to be opening God's Word for us this morning. Some of you may know Jason. Uh, he is one of our elders here. He's also a chaplain, reservist chaplain on the island, but I'll let him save introductions. Um, but let's pray real quick, and Jason, go ahead and come on up, and we'll pray. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for allowing us this time to come to sit at your feet and hear from you. God, I pray that you would use Jason mightily, speak through him, through all of his preparation and the things that he's written. May you use him as a vessel to speak to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Grant. Okay, well, good morning, Pillar family. So as, as Grant said, my name is Jason Rochester, and it is uh, my pleasure to be able to come and uh, share God's Word together as we uh, open uh, the Scripture together this morning from Numbers uh, chapter 21 that we had read for us. So thank you for, for reading. Again, um, I, I am a Navy reservist, and uh, here with uh, my, my family, my wife Catherine, and our three daughters, Grace, Sophia, and Joy, so we're very excited to be here, um, very glad to be part of uh, what, what God is doing here at Pillar Okinawa. We were first introduced to the Pillar Network in Oceanside, California, back in uh, 2019 at uh, Oceanside, where Camp Pendleton is, for those of you uh, Marines, or, you know, it's kind of between San Diego and um, Los Angeles there in Southern California. We had the opportunity to, to um, worship there. So when we, when we got orders and we found out we were coming to Okinawa, we, 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 we pretty much said, well, we already have a, a church home, even though we haven't, um, hadn't, hadn't gotten here yet um, because of our uh, wonderful experience there. So it is our, our pleasure to be here. We've been here about a year, got here in October of last year, and we'll be here for another uh, couple of years. So it's just a, a pleasure to be here with you this morning. All right, so with that, uh, I, uh, I told the first service that, uh, like Grant mentioned, I'm a, I'm a reservist, and uh, I'm used to preaching behind bars. <laughs> and what I mean by that is uh, I'm on active duty now for a, for a period, but uh, in the reserve world, uh, my full-time job was as a, a chaplain for the Federal Bureau of Prisons, so uh, serving as a prison chaplain, so literally behind bars. Um, so this is quite, a, quite an improvement, <laughs> uh, being here. <laughs> uh, but it, when, when you're behind bars, you, you kind of, you, 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 you just 
kind of get into a, a, a mindset and a frame of reference so that you know that you have to be done at a certain period uh, because you can continue speaking or preaching or leading a service, but nobody's going to be there because the inmates have to, you know, they have to go and they're going to go whether you're done or not. So, um, so with that in mind, I'll try to be brief since I'm already short, um, but let's take a look again at these verses from Numbers, <laughs> I'm glad you caught that, uh, from Numbers <laughs> chapter 21. So many people, perhaps maybe even you, might think, well, the, the book of Numbers is just that, Numbers, a bunch of numbers about families and soldiers, a list of rules and regulations, a list of um, architecture and building material, and so forth. And, and so there's this kind of tendency to think that there's nothing there that is of great theological importance or um, that, that will change the course of my life so we don't really spend time reading it. And to be honest, uh, sadly, that was, it was not until I was in seminary that uh, I actually read through uh, the book of Numbers, even, even though I grew up in church and have been reading the Bible most of my life. So I want to just remind us this morning that all of the Bible is God's Word to us, Old Testament and New Testament, and it is important for us, it is there for us to read and to study. Um, God ordered it and spoke it and preserved it throughout the generations for us uh, so that we would, we would read and study it. Uh, so with that in mind, we'll look at this passage again from Numbers 21. So... Just quick review and overcap uh, by way of introduction. The people of Israel, they had been freed from over 400 years of slavery in Egypt. And uh, as they were rescued out of Egypt, they went into the wilderness of Sinai to spy out the land of promise that God had set aside for them. And so they went and Moses uh, sent the spies. There were 12 spies, one from each tribe. They went and they spied out the land. And they saw that the land was, was beautiful, it was plentiful, and it was fruitful. But there were people there. The land was inhabited by giants, and they were scared. And so rather than trust in the Lord and have faith that He would do what He said, they turned their back on Him, and as a result, they were made to wander in the desert for the next 40 years until that generation Died out, And so that's kind of the backdrop, the context for where we are this morning. So uh, the Israelites, they're out there wandering through the wilderness, making their, their journey through uh, this period of 40 years. And things, once again, start to go wrong. It says that the people were impatient. So apparently lyricists and songwriters have, have read this portion of Scripture and decided to put it to lyrics, to put it to song. Think of songs like, I want what I want, and I want it now. Some of you that are maybe a little older might, might know that. Um, or, I want it all, and I want it now. I think, uh, you know, if you've seen Willy Wonka, right, there's a, there's a song in there, I want it all, right? And, and so that's what the people are saying here. That's what the Israelites are saying. I want it all. And I want it now. They were grumbling and they were impatient with God. 
Now remember, he had heard their cries from Egypt and had brought them to freedom. But they didn't like the journey, which, by the way, was their own fault because they didn't trust in God's promise that he would give them the land he said they would, that he would give them. And so they complained and they brought accusation against the Lord and against Moses. Look again at verse 5. It says, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? And so they seem to have forgotten that they were dying in Egypt and that they had it much, much worse there in Egypt, even they did now in the wilderness. Have you ever noticed that when things aren't exactly the way we want them, we tend to have a short memory? I know I'm guilty of this. If times are difficult or, or stressful, I find myself just absorbed in the situation around me rather than remembering how God has delivered me in the past or how he has blessed me and provided uh, for me and, and just so many ways in which God has been faithful in the past. And even at the moment when I'm in that situation, uh, how he, even there he's with me and blessing me. But I, I tend to forget. And here the people seem to have forgotten God's incredible acts in delivering them from Egypt and protecting them along their journey through the wilderness, despite the fact that through it all, through the journey, they were complaining against him and turning their backs against him. So in these verses, it says, that it describes for us that they had no faith in what the Lord and what God was doing for them, even after God had brought them a great victory at Hormah. So we're, we're looking at verses 4 through 9, but in verses 1 through 3, it describes for us a, a battle that took place uh, in which the Israelites conquered, and they were faithful because God was with them. God provided for them. Because you think about 400 years of slavery in Egypt, they're not going to have had recruit training. They're not going to have been through OCS. They're not going to have learned tactics and war fighting skills. That would not serve the Egyptians well to teach that to the Israelites, right? So they're, they're out there on their own. They, they don't know what they're doing. Um, but God rescued them. And now, right after that, they're out here grumbling and complaining against him. So, they're grumbling and complaining. But not only that, they start contradicting themselves. They, they really don't make any sense. Let's look again at verse 5. They, 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 in their complaining, they cry out, There is no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food. How ridiculous, right? Either there is food and there is water, or there isn't. <laughs> right? There either is or isn't. But yet, aren't we just as ridiculous sometimes when we complain and grumble? My goodness. I can think of numerous examples of this in my own life. When I say things like, there's nothing to eat. I don't have anything to wear. Or more recently, for those of us who just had our, um, 
the, the water worked on at our homes there in Kadena, there's no running water in the house, right? When the refrigerator is full, the pantry is full, my closet is full, there, there is a somewhat of a degrading of the water pressure, but there's definitely running water, right? All of these things. And yet you see how ridiculous that sounds when I say it, right? And even comical when I say it, just like uh, the Israelites. Except it's not funny. It's not comical because we are rejecting, I am rejecting what God has provided. They're out there, they're saying that God left them in the wilderness to die because there was no provision, because they did not like the provision that he had given to them. So they rejected God. They rejected his provision. And that is always dangerous. Because anytime there is a rejection of God, there is judgment. Hence, the fiery serpents that we see in verse 6, that God sent as a judgment for rejecting his leading and his provision. Now, I don't know what kind of serpents these were, if they were Hebrew habus or uh, serpents that were, you know, already native there to the land that, that just kind of amassed where the people were and, and, and uh, appeared there. All we know is that they appeared and they started biting. And as the serpents bit the people, they died. Now, this, of course, try to put yourself in, in the Israelite position, right? This, of course, led to fear and then repentance. So notice verse 7. Notice what the people did. They came to their senses. They confessed their sin. They said, we have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. And so before... They had cried out against God, and they had cried out against Moses. But now, because they, they didn't like the situation that they had caused for themselves. But now, they, were, they had come to their senses, and they were coming to Moses to intercede to God on their behalf. They recognized their sin by speaking the way that they did. And now they are asking for deliverance uh, from the consequence of that sin. So recognizing and confessing our sin is always the first step in deliverance and restoration. So the people ask God to deliver them from slavery in Egypt. Now they're asking him to, live, to deliver them again, this time from the fiery serpents and the judgment that these serpents were bringing against them. Now, the slavery in Egypt was not their own fault. It was not their own doing. But the judgment of the serpents was. However, in both cases, it was not something they could get themselves out of on their own. They needed help. They needed deliverance. They needed salvation from an outside source. So again, verse 7, the people came to Moses to ask him to intercede on their behalf. Now, can we take a moment just to be honest here, uh, be truthful? 
if you can't be truthful in church, where can you be, right? Moses is a better man and a better leader than I am. Because I would have said, if it were me, well, it serves you right. You got yourself into this. You get yourself out of it, right? The way you spoke to me, the way you spoke against God, you, you did this to yourself. However, uh, what's a, well, so let me just say, like the rest of us, God still has a lot of work to do in my life. Uh, still a lot of areas that need redeeming, right? We, we're all in this kind of this boat together. We all still in need of redemption in many areas of our life. But fortunately, that is not what happened, right? Uh, so rather than judge the people and leave them to their own devices, Moses did intercede for them, uh, again in verse 7, because that's what real leaders do, right? They intercede on behalf of those that are entrusted to their care. So because he came before the Lord, the Lord revealed to Moses how to bring about this deliverance. So that verse 9, um, next slide please. Uh, so that verse 9 tells us that Moses was to fashion a serpent and put it on the pole and then raise it up so that everyone who looked at it would not die even though they were bitten. So all that the people had to do was believe what God had said and to look up and live. We have a kind of a representation of what that might, uh, perhaps might have looked like there uh, for us. So as is always the case, what God said would happen did in fact happen. Moses raised the serpent and those who were bitten lived. Even though they were still injected with the poison, the poison was in them, they did not die, they lived. Now the power here was not in the bronze serpent. The power of healing and the power of life is in God, is in the Lord. It was an act of faith to look up and to live. It was a lack of faith that caused the Israelites to wonder for 40 years. Even after they saw the plagues in Egypt that culminated in God's passing over the firstborn uh, through the act of faith that they uh, went through by putting the blood's lamb, the, the blood's lamb, the lamb's blood, I guess I haven't had enough coffee today, put the lamb's blood on the doorpost, which is, of course, uh, the, 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 what we refer to as the Passover. Um, and after they saw God's deliverance from the army of Pharaoh at the Red Sea through this miraculous parting of the Red Sea, and they crossed through on dry land, and God saved them from the Egyptian army that was, that was chasing them. So it's easy for us to look back in the Israelites and to say, why would you not trust God after... Uh, why would you not trust God to give you this, this land of promise after you saw all these mighty acts that God did for you in bringing you out of Egypt? And yet, I wonder, how many times do we do the same thing? None of us want to admit, most likely, none of us want to admit that at times we have a lack of faith. Now, I can only speak for myself, but I can tell you that there have been multiple times where I doubted God's goodness or His plan 
or his provision. So just as a, an example, I mentioned that in 2019, my, my family and I moved to Southern California for a set of uh, active duty orders with uh, one MEF, uh, First Marine Expeditionary Force. It was a, an ADSW, which is a active duty for special work, that was to go uh, from when the orders began in February of 2019 through the end of that fiscal year, September of 19, and then we would receive follow-on orders uh, for another year. So we would be there from February of 2019 through September of uh, last year, of 2020. However, uh, September of 2019 approached and there were no follow-on orders. And we were told because of uh, budget, everything relates to budget, right? Because of budget constraints, there would be no follow-on orders. And so I, you know, I prayed. I asked God to, to allow us to stay that extra year. I, I did everything I could to, to, to look for um, other recall opportunities in the area, uh, but nothing was there. So September of 2019 came, and we left. And I was devastated. I didn't know why God had given us that great opportunity only to have it taken away. And I didn't doubt salvation in Jesus. That's, that's not what we're talking about. But did have a lack of faith in God's plan and in his purpose um, for my life and for my family. But then, you know, as we look back over the course of time, Hindsight's always 2020, right? But looking back over the course of time, I realized, well, if, if I was still uh, there, I wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be here. And this has just been such a tremendous blessing. So we can see now, looking back, how God was at work through that to allow us to have this uh, recall opportunity here. And I'm sure many of you, perhaps, have had similar experiences. So before we sit in judgment over what the people of Israel did, perhaps we should take a moment to examine ourselves and ask the question, are there areas or where are the areas in my life in which I am not fully trusting in the Lord? Now, getting back to our text. Excuse me. Getting back to our text. When it comes to the Old Testament, as I mentioned before, everything in the Old Testament is true. And it is useful for us in our spiritual growth and development. The, the stories that we read about, like this story in uh, Numbers 21, these are actual events that happened in real places that occurred to real people. So just like there were real Israelites that died because of the serpents. And there were real Israelites, uh, real people that lived because they looked at the bronze serpent and uh, were, were then able to share that story through the course of time. But everything in the Old Testament looks ahead and points forward to and culminates in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we can see that clearly um, as we look at Jesus' own words uh, here for us in John chapter 3. Perhaps the most famous or most well-known verse in all of the Bible is John 3.16. And my guess is that uh, most of you, at least many of you, could probably very easily quote it, um, you know, if you were put on the spot. But I want us to look at just two verses prior to that in, in John 3.14. Jesus says, 
As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. So you, can, you see the symbolism, right? You see the symbolism. That Moses fashioned a serpent that looked just like the ones that were biting the Israelite people. And when it was lifted up, when the people looked at it, they were given life. Jesus is a man, just like we're all men and women, a, a human being. And he was lifted up on the cross so that when people look to Jesus, they live. Now this living is not just that you, you will not die at, at that moment or, or even that you will have life, but that we will have eternal life, as Jesus says, that they, whoever believes in him may have eternal life. In the wilderness, the power in the, in the pole is not what was on it, namely the bronze serpent, but in God, in the Lord. However, the power in the cross is in what is on it, or rather, who was on it, because that person was God. God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ who laid down his life on that cross for us. So that verses 16 through 18 remind us that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. The serpents in the wilderness brought judgment, but more than that, they brought the people to repentance and life through faith in the Lord. Their actions and their disobedience led to a death from which they could not escape. They had to believe what God said, and they had to look up and live. Jesus has come, not to bring judgment, because, as we just saw, the judgment is already here. The judgment is already upon us through our own choices, through our own action, through our own decisions, through our own sin. We have already brought judgment, I and you have already brought judgment on ourselves. But rather, Jesus has come to bring life to those who look to him in faith for forgiveness and for eternal life. The Israelites there in the wilderness, they could not save themselves from the poison of the serpents. Only God could do that. You and I, we cannot save ourselves from the poison of sin. Only God can do that. And he has done that in Christ Jesus on the cross. The people that did not look at the serpent still died, even though the serpent was there for them to see. Those who do not look to faith in Jesus 
still die, even though he is there for them to see. But no one has to. No one has to. Jesus has been raised up. He was raised on the cross, and he rose from the grave, conquering death. And he brings then healing. He brings salvation and forgiveness and life to all who will look up to him and believe, to all who will look up and live. Whenever I have the opportunity to share God's word, I always like to ask the question, what does that mean for me? What's the application? There's a multitude of applications, but first to remind myself and to remind all of us that God has a plan and purpose for your life. We may not always understand it. I didn't understand it. There have been multiple times when I didn't understand it. But he has a plan and a purpose, so don't fight him on it. And definitely do not despise or reject his plan and his provision for you. The people of Israel did that repeatedly, and it always went bad. It always ended badly. So even if you don't like God's plan even, or his provision, or you don't understand it, or you can't make sense of it, don't reject him and don't despise the, the, the provision and the place to where he has called you. Now, when doubts and crises do come, as they will, as they have for me, as they will continue to come, to remember what God has done. This episode with the, the serpents in the wilderness, as I mentioned before, it happened right after a great victory where God had given them this victory uh, over uh, their enemies. And, and when you think about it, all of the experiences in the wilderness happened after God had miraculously and powerfully delivered the people out of Egypt. So don't lose sight of what God has done for you. Throughout the Old Testament, the people were, were instructed to build altars or to collect stones as spiritual markers. And, and so uh, when the, the, the children and the next generation saw these altars or the stones, uh, they would ask, what, what is that? Why is that here? Why do you have that? And then it would be an opportunity then for the fathers to explain the mighty work that God had done at that place or the mighty uh, provision that God had given to his people in this uh, area, what, whatever it was. But it was, it was an opportunity for them to reflect on God's faithfulness over time uh, and at that moment for the people of Israel. So I would encourage us to look back at the spiritual markers in our own life, the people that God has used powerfully in our life, or the places where we saw God at work, or the, the other, any number of experiences that we've had that, that are spiritual markers that refer us back to God's goodness and God's faithfulness. But just remember, just remember that the markers point us to God. They are not the objects or the places or the people that we turn to for comfort and deliverance. Only God. So as we look back over uh, the Old Testament, the, the people of Israel did this. As they looked to uh, the serpent, of course, we know that, that uh, the people lived. So they kept the serpent, 
And over time, um, the people of Israel began not using the serpent as a reminder of God's goodness, but they began worshiping and making offerings to the serpent rather than to God. So we come to 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 4. Uh, that's exactly what were happen, was happening. The people were making offerings to the serpent. So Hezekiah uh, was king of Judah, and he destroyed it because it was detracting from the worship of God. So just it's important to have spiritual markers and spiritual reminders, but just remember they are just that. They point us always to God, okay, not away from him. And then most important in terms of application is to look to Jesus in faith, right? To look to Jesus in faith. Every one of us, every person is cursed with the poison of sin. And no one, none of us can undo that curse. None of us can cure ourselves. None of us can give ourselves life. We certainly know that we can't even give ourselves physical life, right? So we know about the stork, right? We know where babies come from. And babies have no part in that process. They only receive the life that has been given to them from someone else. And so you and I, we didn't, you might be a self-made man or a self-made woman, but you didn't make yourself, right? We cannot give ourselves even the physical life that we're living right now. So why would we think that we could give ourselves an eternal life that would last forever? Only something or someone eternal can give us eternal life. And that's exactly what Jesus has done. So therefore, to look to the standard that was raised for us, to look to Jesus in faith as the only way for healing and for life because He is the answer. He is the one who brings life. This is true whether you have never accepted the gospel before, whether you have never believed the truth of who Jesus is before. To receive, to, to look to Jesus in faith and to receive eternal life. But for those of us who have received Christ, we need to continuously return to and continuously look to Jesus because we get it wrong, right? We, we, we uh, continue to live in sin and we recognize that we need God's power. We need the life of Jesus in us to live in us and to work through us because we cannot do it on our own. So to always, regardless of where we are in our spiritual journey, to look to Jesus to live, to look to him, to believe in him, to know him, to love him, and to serve him. Those of us who have believed in Christ, who have been saved, God has saved us for a purpose. God has saved us to serve him. And so you're not saved to, uh, you're not it's not that we are saved to sit, but that we are saved to serve. And so, you know, to look to Jesus, to see where is it that he is calling you to service for his kingdom. To be reminded that God so loved you and that God loved me that he gave us his greatest gift, his own son, the Lord Jesus. So don't despise or doubt God's plan and definitely his gift, but to look up and to live. Amen.